I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. We have a comeback coaching session today. <laughs> um, we're talking to Alana today. Uh, we had you on, oh my God, that was over a year ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm just excited to have you back and get to kind of hear where you're at and kind of what the what's new, what's what's coming up for you, where are you at on the journey? Yes. So last time I was on, I think it had to do, I mean, with relationships. I love talking about relationships. (laughs) But um, I arrived at a stage in my life where I just turned 30 last month. And um, since we spoke, I decided to end my relationship and go back to grad school. Hmm. And the subject or the reflection that has been super present is... um, feeling like I'm taking a non-traditional road, although like formal education is kind of traditional in its way, but meaning that I'm not married with babies, um, a female approaching 30. And it's it's finding this balance because I do want a long-term relationship and I do want children, but um, I don't want to rush into it if it's not right. And I f- feel like in US society, it's, mm-hmm. if anything, become a bit more acceptable to run in and get married and then get divorced. And then that's when you have like your um, solo time. And that's actually (laughs) similar in Egyptian culture too. There's the pressure that when you're young to move out of your parents' house Mm -hmm. and I'm not Egyptian. It's just that I was, I was in Egypt a few months ago. (laughs) (laughs) But um, It's more acceptable to get married, get divorced, and then you can kind of pursue your own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I just feel with a lot of my friends from, from high school, from college, um, they all copy and paste did the same story. And I'm like, how is it possible that everyone has the same story? And I am feeling like isolation and, and Hmm. question, not questioning if it's the right decision, but I am kind of like wishing that, um, there were more people around doing that. Maybe there are. Hmm. Well, Lana, I just want to start off with commending you and really acknowledging the validity in what you're saying. I think, especially in American culture, but I think this is true of many cultures, little girls are conditioned to believe from very young that the goal is to be chosen. And there's a flavor of that in what you're speaking to. As long as someone chose me at some point, even if it doesn't work out and then I make a different decision, at least I was worthy enough of being chosen, right? And the amount of um, ego strength and sense of self required to say at, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, so I will say it at a pretty young age that I certainly didn't have when I was your age to say, "Mm, I choose me from this this point. I'm going to be really clear on the fact that I decide my worth. I decide what my my path is going to look like. And as much courage and fortitude as that requires, it also can be really isolating to be a pioneer and be the person that is forging a new path. So big breath on that. And also, well done, sister. I salute you. I'm wondering with where you're at right now with your grad school studies and, you know, on the other side of the breakup, then obviously there's been, there's some, been some life changes, right? Like where are you feeling in all of that or how are you feeling in all of that? I suppose. I'm feeling like it's absolutely the right decision. I knew Mm -hmm. it in the moment. And now with months that have passed, absolutely further affirmed right decision. Mm -hmm. Um, But still there is that, I guess we can say perhaps doubt because I don't fall in the category of, I mean, I I love many of the feminism movements, but it's, it's, yes, I do think women can raise a kid without a partner. I mean, anyone can do whatever they want now solo. Um, but I absolutely do want a life partner. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I guess, holding the two tensions and mm-hmm. um, is like, I'm thinking, of, is there a limit? So I'm like, okay, now I just turned 30. It's fine. But like, maybe now my next marker is like by 35, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm mm-hmm. pushing it a bit further and I don't want to do that. What I want to do is trust if it's meant to happen, it's going to happen. And actually further, I've, I've been meditating on this. I would like to settle in and believe that let's pretend I I don't, um, this doesn't work out for me having a life partner and starting a family until 40. And let's say biologically, I can't Mm -hmm. like there's other options. There's adoption or maybe there's not. And it's just Mm -hmm. how life is supposed to go. I like it. I mean, I think there's a certain amount of like pragmatism. Um, I think that this idea of surrender is, you know, surrender is very active. It's not passive. There's a lot of work that goes into surrender Mm. and surrendering really means um, I am open to any of the avenues, any of the possibilities Mm. that life is going to offer to me. And I'm not going to force or push or cling or, right, I'm going to attempt to allow what comes to me to come to me. Um, You're obviously an active participant in your life. And so you're going to 
you know, do things thoughtfully and you're going to make decisions that you think are correct, you know, uh, at that time. But it is like you can't plan what's going to happen at 35 because we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? All we can have an idea of is this is something that I desire. This is something that I desire for myself. And so I'm going to maybe attempt to put myself energetically in a space where I'm like allowing that in. Right. So whether that's love or partnership, whatever. Um, but I can't force it. And I know that. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to be open to whatever comes my way. It's the control thing. And I'm aware <laughs> enough about ding, that. ding, ding. Ball and what's going to happen? Um, but what was I just going to say about something that you said? Um, trusting it. Who knows what's going to happen? Mm, I just left my mind. Surrender being active. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I, I've been playing with not playing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing with the idea of surrender, but I haven't. Um, I've been more so saying it than embodying it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, oh, oh, this is what I was going to say. It's scary. It's scary to not know. And oh, this is, yeah. So it's scary to not know. And I've noticed that as I've been doing more of my healing work, I become more sensitive to these things mm-hmm. where in some ways I've thought to myself, oh, like five years ago when I was so unconscious, it seemed like it was easier because I was just so blocked off. Mm-hmm. And now that I've been doing way more inner work, I'm much more sensitive. Um, yeah. I kind of want you to say more about what sensitive looks like for you or how that, how do you know that you're sensitive? What does it feel like? Um, Like a small example is seeing a form of media or like a movie, something that I was a bit blocked off to uh, Mm. now it's like disturbing and I feel a bit unsettled afterwards. And and I realized that the aftermath the day after it didn't, it didn't help me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like you are tuning into deeper layers of your wisdom and your gifts to me. That feels like my intuition is being amplified. That doesn't feel like sensitive in a bad way. That feels like sensitive in like something's being ignited within me. I remember your episode now. I'm Mm -hmm. like thinking about the old soul wisdom and there, like there was a grappling between like, you know, a little bit, it's like me in the tangible world and something that feels containing and that I'm tethered to and the soul wisdom that I, I embody and you can hear it a lot in the way that you speak. Um, and I think what you are in the midst of and really going to be in kind of a leadership position in and with is the rise of the feminine principle, which in Jungian psychology, they talk about as the rise of like the age of soul and meaning again. And that, you know, instead of having a laid out path in front of us, we are really present with understanding that moment to moment, breath to breath, we believe we are held by something. And then I use the tools to tap into my intuition and like, what is the next right action? I know because I got still and then there was a knowing. And then I moved from the space of inspired action versus having a five-year plan. And like, this is what it looks like. And this is what society tells us from an external authority is what you're supposed to do. And it's just, you know, the Aquarian age that we are in now is sort of the changing of the guards into this space of we're just doing things differently. And it feels destabilizing because it's so out of alignment with everything that we've been taught up to this point. And we've entered a new paradigm. What we have done before is not going to be the way we are operating moving forward. And 
it's not going to be everybody all at once on board with that. So some of that will be like, I have to stay grounded in my knowing because not everybody's going to understand or get me or be right there by my side with this. And there is something bigger that is right there with you and has you in the space of knowing, you know? Mm. I hear more trust and more surrender, but um, more than just saying the words. And uh, I want to add a, another layer that has to do, I think, with finding this, um, at least the way I'm perceiving it or taking it in, th this balance. Um, so I'm, my parents are from Europe, so I spend a lot of time in Europe. I've lived there full time. I'm back in the U.S. for my grad program, and I've been grappling with this kind of, again, another way, like two worlds mm -hmm. and like, oh, American culture that it's like, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything, but <laughs> you don't have to tell us, sister. Like, everything is so alive right now. And ooh, it is. We're a lot know, right now. <laughs> like, right. It's just, ooh. Yeah. That's been very, very active the last few weeks. I just got back to the U.S. a few weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah. And, and just seeing American culture, like even more, I, I kind of. I want to hear what you guys think about this. I've kind of thought of America as the shadow of the world. That's fair. It has the extremes. <laughs> it is <Yes>. crazy. <laughs> mm. I think of a lot of times, like we are just so young, you know, there's like an individuation process that I feel mm -hmm. like America mm -hmm. has not experienced collectively. We're like a baby culture. We're like, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, in this perpetual adolescence, just adolescence. like looking for big dad or big dad for like our dad to like, you know, the government's got us or we're upset with the government because they're not doing what we believed they were going to do and the ways that they had us covered. And now we're in a space of angst. And like, you know, I saw this um, Yalom quote yesterday that was like something, I'm going to butcher it, but it was something to the effect of like, it is so much easier to be guided and told what to do than it is to decide for yourself. And that to mm -hmm. me is like American culture. Like mm -hmm. we're in the space of like, we just don't have that like integrated wisdom collectively that I think some of these more mature, you know, um, societies where like, you know, if you visit Europe, like the churches, the like, you know, 1400s, the, the architecture, 1400s. you're like, y'all I've been here a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and we just don't have that. It's just different. Um, and so there's a little bit of grace. I feel like we have to hold American culture with us. Like we're babies, but that's I also a think bit of what it is, you know, that there's something to be said for the, the shadow side of this quote unquote melting pot that we call mm. ourselves. Um, and the shadow side of that, I would say, was is really kind of the forced stripping of culture. Um, mm. Definitely, for sure, forced on any person of African descent that was brought here, right? But even Europeans who came here, even people from Latin America who have come here, you know, the, um, the urge or the push or Asian, you know, it doesn't matter to assimilate is survival. And mm. many times it doesn't seem like it's really a choice. It's like a necessity to survive. Like if you do not conform to what America has decided is America's culture, which really is puritanically founded, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of shadow in what our history is. Um, and I think that a lot of the wisdom that many other places on this planet have comes from a deep connection to who they are, 
what their culture is, what their spiritual connection is, the connection to their region on the planet, right? Their particular part of the earth. Um, and when you come here, that's stripped. So I, I think you do not only have like a young, even just in the founding of it, like actually how long we've quote unquote been here, but also you've got a lot of people here that have all kind of said like, well, who am I? What is my culture? Am I this? Am I that? You know, and now you've got this whole giant stew of that going on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Very. See, I said the shadow opinion, but I never dug deeper. So very interesting and fun <laughs> to hear that. I Yeah. Well, let me ask you, Alana, I want to, um, I want to go back to, you made a comment about when I said something about surrender being active and not passive, you made a comment about that you have been kind of thinking it or conceptualize it, conceptualizing it, but haven't embodied it. And I'm wondering if you're able to articulate or put into words, what embodying that might look like for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess let me share what I have been doing and admit that I don't know if that is um, mm -hmm. enough. Um, so in moments of distress and also when I'm not distressed, I've been really leaning into prayer more the last mm -hmm. few months, actually, mm -hmm. as I chose these. Actually, eight months ago, as I ended my relationship and I chose this new like life path, I've been leaning into prayer a lot, which has felt really comforting and nice and i went to private catholic school growing up but it, it was just going through the, the the movements it wasn't actually um i wasn't actually praying i was just going through it um so i've been praying i've been journaling um about scenarios of like what if following the through line like if these dreams or, or plans that i have uh don't happen uh and what else have I been doing in terms of trust and surrender? I, I, I do actually deep down believe that higher power, universe, God, Allah, whoever one believes in, um, does see our, my plan in a better macro sense than I do because I'm mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. um, so I do believe that I just kind of need the reminder and maybe this is coming back to, um, a culture or even friends group, social group. I want to be around more people who also are supporting this. So like in those moments where like I dip or I forget or I'm human, um, I screw up, then someone can remind me like, oh no, like there is a greater plan. Like all mm. is good. I love that mm -hmm. so much. I was talking to my a friend yesterday and she was talking about American culture again. <laughs> and she was saying that like, she feels like we live in a culture where people sort of window shop spirituality and it's mm -hmm. like, yes, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to this retreat. I'm like, whatever. But like, I believe collectively we are returning to a time where there is just more of an embodied living space in our spiritual way of being where it's not sort of the like thing I go do, but this is like the embodied sense of who I am is that I understand. And I bring these rituals into my daily life every day to remind me there is something unfolding that is bigger than my, my small um, human mind can comprehend. And I trust in that. And I, it becomes more of that daily practice of thy will be done versus my ego minds will be done. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that is a lot of what we moved away from that has, has 
sort of where we've gotten in trouble, you know, mm-hmm. like if we can just from this capitalist space of um, accumulating stuff and like, let right. that be like where we get our meaning and our sense of self. And, and it's just like such a hollow space in the end. And there's mm-hmm. no like real rooted security in that and real rooted sense of self in that really, you know? Right. Well, it's, this is though it's addicting. Yeah. Like I deleted my personal social media years ago. Um, because I was just studying how it does more harm than good and young girls and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I was journaling this morning. Uh, I Now I like watch YouTube videos and like, I'm like, oh, they're wellness videos, but still mm-hmm. I'm in bed at night watching YouTube videos. So this morning I was journaling and I was like, I want to now make it a plan again because I did this last year, leave my phone outside of the bedroom. So then maybe I actually then pray before going to bed. Mm-hmm. And damn, it's hard. Like yes. it is very hard also to not eat the cookie. Like I want to eat that sugar. <laughs> it is hard because it's yeah. so available. It's so there. And, and uh, again, comparing it to American culture, it's just, we have like so much of everything. So like you can, you can order whatever you want at any hour, like humans to food. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. 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 I like what you said a second ago though, too, when you were talking about like a desire for community I think that it connects even into this conversation around like the addiction of social media and all the external things. I think as a culture, we are very disconnected, not just from self, but from each other. And I think now that you are on this path, making it one of your kind of active um, endeavors to lean into finding and, and creating a community that is in support of this journey and is in support of kind of where you're at and what you see for yourself and holding you kind of accountable to that highest self, like you said. Um, And on that note too, I also want to say that just be mindful of you are going to get pushback from some people who think that you should follow the kind of blueprint that's been laid out, right? Mm -hmm. And what Danae said in the beginning, I, I just want to emphasize it's hard when there's nothing, there's nobody that's gone before you that you can kind of follow that path, right? And so remembering that some of those moments where you're going to have to come back to those practices and hopefully that community that you're starting to foster and grow um, to stay with yourself when other people kind of get in and they start to make you question what you feel like you actually know about yourself and about your journey and about your path. And, you know, most of them are going to do it because they care, right? They're doing it out of fear. They're doing it because they too want to control and protect and they think this is the way to do it. Um, But one of the hardest things, and you're kind of at that age, like I feel like 30 is kind of that cuspy age where even like parents, where you finally come into a sense of like, I got this. <laughs> like, I'm not a child anymore. I appreciate it. And I'm going to do things differently. Um, and I need you to kind of back off and like respect that. And 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 so there's going to be probably a lot of work. And I only say probably because I've seen it a lot with this, your specific age, right? Of boundary work and coming back to a strong sense of self of like, I know what I'm doing, or at least I know what I'm doing in terms of my surrender practice and my spirituality, all these things. And I don't really need the kind of external, um, the little chirping in my ear, right. That I, I imagine we all get mm-hmm. at some point. I get in more, I think energetically, cause I don't think sure. a lot of people have balls to say it. Cause I will tell them like back the hell off, so, but I, but I definitely feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I want to name, and I'm glad you said this a little bit, V. I think there's 
there is an isolation. And mm-hmm. I want to, I want to name that, that that is like a, a threshold of initiation that I think it is necessary to walk through when you are doing something that is sort of out of the realm of the societal grain of normal. Mm-hmm. And that that is when we really deepen that relationship with spirit and that that is the the companion that is by my side that will never leave my side. And what I find is when you continue to follow the the breadcrumbs of what feels like bliss, what feels like truth and aliveness, your people just appear. And it's like, oh, my soul family is all of a sudden here. And I didn't yeah. have to figure it out. I was just doing what I love. I was just like in alignment with truth for me and and y'all get me <laughs> and it's amazing, but mm-hmm. it can be like, it's a little of the fire you have to walk through for a while, you know? Yeah. And, and when I look back at like the last five years, like, hell, that is so true. Like I've been pulling the thread and following it. Mm-hmm. And in the moment it was scary, like doubts, blah, blah, blah. But now like every year then I look back and I'm like, wow, that was a wonderful decision, but mm-hmm. you needed time to actually see that manifest. So again, I, I do have that um, trust from past experiences, even if it was hard, like a breakup or, or moving or, or whatever it may be. But that, yeah, that, that loneliness and the isolation for sure is super present. And it's been even more present being that I have moved around quite a bit being a digital mm-hmm. nomad. Um, so I have friends in different countries and we more often catch up over phone calls or WhatsApp. And, and um, now with grad school, like I don't plan on being where I am. I just am staying here because I have a family's home to stay at and save money. And it's just, yeah, there's a little bit of feeling too, like, oh, when I get there, like, okay, so then at graduation at three years, then I can settle in this new place and make this community. Um, Because the digital community is nice and good enough, but I do miss, I guess, that old school one of like calling up a girlfriend. Okay, let's meet Mm -hmm. at the local cafe and go talk. Yeah, I also, I I think that we're doing things differently too now. Like I was... I was actually just speaking to somebody this morning about this who who sent me in a uh, coaching question around a very similar topic. Like we have been, we as an, I guess not just actually women, I, I would say men too, we have kind of been promised this like, I don't know, false sense of kind of safety and security of once you quote unquote settle down, you'll feel at home. You'll feel at peace. You'll like, you've got your person, you've got your nuclear family, you buy a house, you do these things. And somehow that's supposed to make our souls feel like settled and stable and at home. And that is not the reality for the vast majority of people. And I think that we're finally realizing that. And so that's also part of like the questioning, right? This idea of being a digital nomad, this idea of moving around, of being in a job for 10 years, then going back to grad school and changing it all. And it's not to minimize the very real feelings of isolation and loneliness and desiring going to a cafe with a friend and being face to face. But it's also to say on the flip side of that is not some like cure for those feelings if we quote unquote settle down somewhere. Um because we expect that to come, we expect that that cure to come from settling down, if that makes sense. And, and I just don't know if that's also true for a lot of us, maybe for some of us, but I, I find that I talk more and more, um, especially to women who have this kind of seeker mentality, this like seeker being essence about them, right? And um, settling down, I have found, tends to make them almost feel more stir crazy. <laughs> than actually settled. <laughs> She's saying that might not be your path. Just saying. You might just not saying. settle down. 
<laughs> she has a hunch. That may not be your destination. From from one seeker to another, I have a hunch. <laughs> okay, so this is actually, if, if you don't mind that I shift the conversation, I mean, I guess not fully, but um, what do you, what's your perspective on dating as with the seeker girl. mindset? Like, how can it work? Well, I we mean, can- what are you, what are you looking to have happen? I mean, is it possible to have the seeker mindset and, or like traveling around a lot, but then sharing like ethical values of being honesty, communication? Mm. Um, yeah. Like how in the, I guess in casual dating, it works, but then for a partnership, it's, that's also too, like a new, new territory. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'll say. What I have found is this is one of the places that we as women tend to slip back into my, I'm going to figure out how to make this happen and maneuver and shift and all of the, like, you know, very things of this world that we were talking about, like control, that we get back in there. Mm -hmm. And what I will say is if you are doing all of the things that we were talking about in terms of your soul family, your community, Mm -hmm. that is true of your love life as well, right? You will need someone who has no interest in making you small and contained and putting you in a box. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that is going to be hard for you to figure out. That person's just going to appear in your life and it's going to feel so true and so right that it feels like flow. But I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's something you can sort of figure out how to make happen ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's another one of those divine orchestrations in my opinion. Um, because you know, that person's going to have to really be able to see and witness all that you are and be like here for it. (laughs) And I want to join into this as a partner. I don't want to, I don't want to stop this flow. I don't want to contain this flow. I want to join in with this flow, right? And I want to and walk this path beside you. Exactly. That that is partnership, right? It's not either party saying to either other person, you know, now we've got to kind of stamp it out. And in order for this to work, the other person has to change or, you know, squash that inner inner kind of fire. Um, I do believe that for sure anything can happen. You can make any kind of partnership work. Um, but you have to believe that that that's out there and that's possible. And and to Danae's point, you can't fall back on these old kind of um, antiquated ways of needing to force and and make a relationship happen. Um, mm. you know. But I think love is still the place in our society that we feel like we can logic our way into it mm-hmm. more than anywhere else. That's my opinion. But it's like, it's not logic, it's love. And I think so much of what we attempt to maneuver and make rational leads to a real lack of fulfillment, my opinion. I think the desire to uh, force or control in that scenario is due to the doubt and lack of Mm -hmm. belief that um, enough men are evolving. Mm -hmm. Well, evolve or die, gentlemen. Because we're out here doing our thing. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing life. We're gonna keep living. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Yep. Well, Alana, I'm so glad that you kind of came back. I'm so glad to hear you on the other side of this journey. So it has been about eight months, and that's sounds like a lot's shifted, and that's exciting Mm -hmm. slash scary, but exciting. Um, And you know, you we were talking about community this whole time, and I was kind of smiling for those who are just listening to this. Um, You are part of our 
online community. So even just kind of in this idea of being active about creating community and connecting with others who have a similar kind of seeker mentality, you're doing that for yourself, you know, and that's, and that's important. So I'm, I'm glad to see your face here, but also we will see your face again <laughs> in the community. I can't wait to keep seeing how it unfolds for you. I'm excited mm-hmm. yes. for you. Thank you, ladies. Okay. Keep us posted. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.